Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today was born in San Jose, California, but spent his childhood in Seoul, Korea, where he started his martial arts training. He's a stuntman, stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, and actor. He's a seventh-degree black belt. He won two Taurus World Stunt Awards and has received six Screen Actor Guild Award nominations. His IMDb credits total over 200, including over 80 acting roles, including some of my favorites, Dark Knight Rises, Tropic Thunder, The Italian Job, Rush Hours 1 through 3, Walker, Texas Ranger, Martial Law, Blade, Spawn, and many, many more. And, of course, one of my all-time favorite movies from the 80s, the iconic movie itself, Best of the Best. Please welcome to the show today, Mr. Simon Ree. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you, Brian. Wow, you did some research on me. <laughs> I, I, I got to make it sound good, you know? <laughs> cool. Well, I appreciate your time. So so what we like to do is go back to the beginning. What what led to your interest in martial arts? Where did that first spark come from and kind of how your training began? When I was 10 years old, I came down with a viral meningitis. Wow. And I was really, really sick. And I was in a hospital for two months. And the doctor said if I came about one hour later to the hospital, I could have been either dead or a vegetable. Wow. That's how bad uh, I was. So then after the two months in the hospital, I came out and my father wanted me to start taking Taekwondo to build up my strength and be strong again. So I started taking Taekwondo at 10 and I fell in love with it. So I started going every day. Nice. What was it about it? What what made you fall in love with it? What, what are some things that maybe stood out from those early days that made you want to keep going and going every day? <laughs> this is going to be funny. <laughs> well, when I first started it, my father's very, very old Korean traditional father. Mm-hmm. So he knew that only way I was going to be good is if I went every day. So he made a deal with me. He said, I have to go to Taekwondo every day. If the day that I don't go, I would get spanking. That would be- <laughs> That's motivating. <laughs> so me and my brother, we both went to Taekwondo every day in Korea. And we train every day, whether it was raining, snowing, it didn't matter. And, you know, when you're little, you don't know that you're getting good. Mm-hmm. I remember I was mad at my dad for constantly pushing me to go. But I didn't realize I was getting good until I was like 16, 17, when people start telling me, wow, Simon, your kicks are good. Wow, your kicks are fast. Things like that. Then I realized, ah, I see why my dad was pushing me so hard. Okay. So what, at what level did do Now, did you get involved in competition back then or... So in Korea, I was 10, and by the time I was like 12 and a half, I got my first degree black belt, and then we moved to United States. Oh, okay. So then when I came to United States, my father knew 
an instructor named Murang Choi, and he taught Hapkido style. Okay. So I started taking Hapkido with him, and that's when I started competing in San Francisco. And uh, I remember my first tournament, I think it was California Karate Championship, CKC, and if, I believe it was Ralph Castro's tournament. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was still a junior, so I could not kick to the face. And uh, sure enough, first thing I did is I threw a double fake roundhouse kick, first one low, <laughs> second one high. And I was fighting a Kempo stylist. And, uh, you know, their fighting stance is pretty low mm -hmm. to start off with. And I, my first kick went to their leg. And then while they were checking it, I threw the second kick and it made contact to their face and I got disqualified. Oh, man. So my fight lasted maybe like two, three, four seconds. <laughs> and I remember I was crying because I got disqualified so fast. And I was, you know, pretty disappointed that I got disqualified. But that was my um, first taste in tournament. Wow. So how about the second one? Did you do a little better the second time? <laughs> <laughs> After that, I think I started winning because I kind of understood now that, you know, hey, you know, you cannot make contact to the face in a junior division. So, you know, as long as you play the game following the rules, you know, I did do better and I did start winning. Okay. So I'm, myself, I've, I've never been to Korea. I've had a few opportunities to go and it's never worked out with my instructor, but he's been there many times for training. So what are some of the things you remember just the differences in training in Korea versus training in the United States? I remember my instructor had, you know, like how when you hit the, um, what do you call this thing in Japan? Makawara? You know, oh, this? Makiwara board, yep, yep. Yeah, you know what those are, right? Yes, yes. So in Korea, we had that too. So we would hit that to toughen up our knuckles. My instructor had those, like a middle knuckle on his finger, in the middle of his finger, because he would go around punishing kids with that middle finger so much that he put up a callus. And so I remember seeing wow. double callus on his middle, like a fist and a middle finger, because he was hitting kids with that so much. And, you know, he called that a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> and every, every time we did something wrong, he would hit us with that knuckle sandwich. And it felt like getting hit with a hammer, wow. you know? And uh, I remember that the training was really tough. You do something wrong, you get into a push-up position, and they would hit your butt with a stick really hard. So you know that was norm at that time. Mm -hmm. You can't you yeah. can't do that in the can't states. Do that now, no. Nope. Yeah. I know. I, I heard some horror stories from my instructor when he started training when he was a kid. That you know if a a kid would like laugh or talk out of place in class. This is back in the late seventies, early eighties, even in the U S the instructor would just walk up and slap him. I'm like, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that was, that was normal. That's and crazy. Then, oh, yeah. I remember we had a wooden floor and we had, if we were sitting down, we had to kneel. We had to kneel down. We could never sit down in a, the lotus position. And uh, the philosophy behind that was, you know, the human beings, they always want to be comfortable. So like, you know, you get too comfortable, your mind goes to sleep. So when your mind goes to sleep, you, you cannot learn. So your mind don't go to sleep. You always have to sit on your knees in the wooden floor. And that was painful because, you know, let's say, let's say other belts are up there doing their forms. You know, we have to sit down and wait till they were finished. And it was very, very painful on our knees, but you know, it, it kept us awake. <laughs> I suppose. Wow. So at, at what level, at what age did you start getting in, interested in teaching? So uh, when I was taking lessons from Murang Choi, Mr. Choi in San Francisco, 
Mr. Choi had a examiner newspaper route as a side job, and sometimes he would be late to a children's class. So then I would have to start it and teach until he got there.、Oh. So I think I started teaching for him from about fourteen, fifteen years old. Okay. Yeah. So then I started teaching for him at fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and then I think. Mr. Choi closed that studio, and then I got a job as a. I think I was seventeen at that time. I got a job as a salesperson in San Francisco, and then、uh, this this was another Hapkido instructor,、uh, Master D K Shin, came to me and he goes, Simon, why don't you come and teach for me? So I said okay. So then I went and started teaching uh, uh, professionally for Master D K Shin in San Francisco, but at age seventeen. Yeah. Okay.、It's、been teaching for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good though. That's good. so. So then, what do you think? Obviously, you still teach. You know, not as much as you used to, but you still teach. You do seminars and stuff. So, what what do you think's changed about your teaching style over the years? Um, I like to teach my style of taekwondo in a very positive and fun ways. Then students have better way of learning. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're too strict, you know, students get kind of frozen and they don't learn as as fast. I make my students like I make the lessons fun,、mm-hmm. but then I make the atmosphere stern, really strict. Okay, it's hard to explain that, but yeah, the things that they're learn they're learning it's to have to have a good time learning it. But when it's time for them to execute it, that's when I get really serious and stern, so that they can perform under stress. So that that's my philosophy of teaching. So, is your style of taekwondo? Do you think it's more? Is it more traditional? Is it more sport orientated, or is it a, an even mixture of both? I think mine is just like you said. I've been studying a lot of martial martial arts myself.、Mm-hmm. I, I studied taekwondo, hapkido, wing chun, judo, boxing, BJJ, Filipino martial arts, a little bit of kempo. So yeah, I've, I've done a lots of. Now, when I teach, whatever that comes into my mind,、okay. that、hey, this would go well with the taekwondo kid, then I teach it, and it just comes to me naturally. Nice. That's and that's that's important. I mean, that's something that you know. I think nowadays it's a lot more common. Where you know, probably back when you first started doing it, it wasn't as common to, to blend styles like that. I mean, there was a few people starting to do it, and but、uh, I know for stories I've heard from back then, it was it was kind of frowned upon. <laughs> it was like this style's the best; it's the only one you need to learn. And and the people who started blending them were the ones that had a little more success. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I couldn't even wear a black uni- black pants. It had to be all white uniform. And like my instructor would frown on me if I wore a black pants with a white top. Okay. Back in the seventies, yeah, that's how strict it was. Wow. So you mentioned a few other styles you've studied then. So after Hapkido, what was what was the next one you explored? I explored Wing Chun in、okay. San Francisco by、uh, instructor named Chris Chan. And the story behind reason why I went to his class、mm-hmm. is this was a, a story behind um, uh, my seafood Chris Chan. Some guy who's like six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds, went to Chris Chan and told him, "I don't believe in your Wing Chun." And Chris Chan is like really small guy, five five, maybe one forty, and he did this like one punch to that guy's chest, <laughs> and then that guy went down. And next day, he you know threw up a little bit of blood. 
And then he came back. He goes, okay, I believe you start teaching me. So when I heard that, I was like, man, I want to learn that stuff. <laughs> That's cool. How, yeah. long, how long did you train there? I think I trained there for about six to eight months. Okay. And then, and then we moved to Los Angeles. Okay. And that was so about what age were you then? Uh, 18. Okay. I graduated from high school and then I moved to Los Angeles. Okay. So then what, uh, what type of martial arts did you seek out when you got to Los Angeles? Uh, I was studying with Master Jun Chung. Okay. And Master Jun Chung just purchased that Taekwondo school from uh, Mr. Chuck Norris. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was in Chuck Norris's uh, school on Wilshire and La Jolla, and mm. right next to Beverly Hills. And uh, I started teaching, working out, learning from Master Chung and teaching for him. And at the same time, I was attending Los Angeles City College okay. and started learning judo from Hayward Nishioka. Oh, okay. Yeah, I took some judo lessons there. That's nice. So, what were you what were you going to school for? Was it? I mean, at that age, had you thought of the entertainment business, or were you having? What were your plans at the time? Just like anybody else, my parents <laughs> wanted me to be either doctor or lawyer. <laughs> okay. But it it didn't it didn't go that way. So I was just taking general courses, teaching taekwondo from maybe four to eight. Wow. PM. And then after that, I went to go work at a nightclub as a bouncer. Oh. And I lied to the uh, manager. I told him I was 22 when I was only like 19. <laughs> and nice. uh, they never checked my ID. They wow. just gave me an application. They just wanted me to work there because I told them that I was a black belt. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was a bounce, bouncing people at like 19 years old. So did you ever have to use your Taekwondo skills then as you were a bouncer? Or? Many times. Many times. Okay. <laughs> yep. Many, many times. That, I think that's where I learned how to really do a real fight. Okay. Know? So I got to ask you then, as, as, a, as a bouncer and a real-life martial artist, how realistic was the movie Roadhouse? Uh, how real, I think it's somewhat realistic, but okay. of course they, you know, make it a little bit more yeah. exciting. I remember my first day I got hired, I got into a fight because this three, uh, three guys were going to attack one of our, uh, bouncer and they didn't know I was the new bouncer. So I was just standing next to him and then I threw a sidekick and back in, it was like 1977 or 78. Mm -hmm. We were still wearing those shoes with heels on it because <laughs> it was disco era. Ouch. <laughs> so my, I could feel the heel just going into the guy's solo plex. Wow. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> the wind out of him with, with just one kick. And after that, like, you know, people knew, oh, that guy, he's a, he knows martial arts, you know, don't mess with him and things like that. So it was kind of cool. Right, so how long were you a bouncer for? Maybe about a year there. Okay. And okay. I had to quit because, uh, like, every time we finished working, the bartender would always give us a, a one free drink on the house. Mm -hmm. And it would, he would always make mine strong. It's like 151 proof rum and coke. Wow. <laughs> and I, I would I would be going home pretty, you know, sauced. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this. So. Yeah, I quit. Okay. So now I, I, I'm reading your bio on your website and it's, you've trained a lot of celebrities. So did you start training celebrities before you got involved in the entertainment business or did that come after? I think it came after. Okay. As I was teaching at uh, Master Jun Chung's school, 
first person that came through the door was Sam Jones. Okay. I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know him. He was the uh, original Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. Cool. And, okay. Yeah. And then after that, it was Lorenzo Lamas. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so I was you know, training those guys. And then uh, I got a call from uh, Paramount Studio, and they wanted to know if I could train Faye Dunaway. Do you know who she is? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know who Faye Dunaway oh, you is. Do? Yes. A lot of young people don't know who she is. <laughs> I'm not I'm not as young. I'm, I'm 48. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, Faye Dunaway was like big actress. She did Barney and Clyde. And yep. I knew who she was, and they wanted me to teach her how to use a sword oh. because she was going to do a sword fight in France with Matthew Modine. Oh, cool. Okay. And okay, I was teaching her, and she would come to my lessons late every time. So I said, one day I said, Faye, I know who you are, and I have a lot of respect for you, but you cannot come to your lesson late like this every day. That's very disrespectful to your instructor. And in Korea, we don't do that. In Korea, students always are there before the instructor comes. Mm -hmm. So if you're late again tomorrow, you know, just find yourself or somebody else to teach you because I don't want to teach you anymore. Wow. So, yeah, and then she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I won't be late again. The next day, she came one minute late. So mm -hmm. I said, Faye, you're one minute late. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was, I was parking on I said, well, either I quit or you give me 10 push-ups. Because you know, normally when students are late, they, do, they punish themselves by doing push-ups. Yep. And I didn't think she was going to do push-ups. And I thought that, that, that was going to be it. And she went down and gave me 10 push-ups. Nice. And in my mind, I'm going, holy moly, I just made Faye Dunaway do 10 push-ups. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then she went to France to do this movie. And she didn't like her stunt double. So she calls me up and she goes, Mr. Ree, can you do me a favor and come to France and double me? And I was like, what? <laughs> double you? She goes, yes, please. I was like, okay. So this was 1988. So I flew to France and I put on this blonde wig, red lipstick, and I did this massive sword fight with Matthew Modine on a cliff. <laughs> And I, yeah, that was, that was my experience with Faye Dunaway. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. So how did, how did the first movie come about? How did you f first get involved in, in Hollywood? Was that something you, you were seeking out or did someone approach you? Uh, when I first saw Bruce Lee's movie mm -hmm. in the early seventies, seeing all his Taekwondo kicks, I'm going, wow, I could do that. <laughs> so I wanted to be in the movies, but. You know, I was young. I didn't have any connections. And accidentally, 1975, I came down to L.A. to visit my aunt. And I called Master Jun Chong because I knew him before because he came up to my studio in San Francisco and you know, taught us a few lessons. So I just called him to pay respect. I said, Master Chong just want, you know, wanted to say hello. And then he goes, Simon, tomorrow I'm shooting this movie in Long Beach Junkyard. You and Philip, come over. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> so we went to this junkyard and we did this movie called Bruce Lee Fights Back from the Grave. Yep. And uh, we, we got to do a little fight scene with Master Chong. And then next year, that movie opened in Hollywood and we saw it on a big screen in a big theater. That's cool. And that's that's when I said, oh, man, I, wanna, I really want to do this. 
Okay. Oh, 1975, we, I did that movie. And I wasn't, and then I moved to Los Angeles in 1976. And it took me 10 years before I could join Screen Actors Guild wow. to get the union card to finally be able to call myself an actor. Okay. Because I didn't know anybody at that time. So how did the Best of the Best come about? I think Best of the Best came about like 1975. I went to compete in Korean Olympics. Mm-hmm. So this is when all the Korean athletes, they all go to Korea to compete like, like an Olympic event. And I remember fighting and losing. And, but I saw such a great, great sportsmanship. Like I saw this one guy representing Navy and one guy representing Army. And this guy who's representing Navy had a big he had like stitches on his face from getting kicked with an axe kick So on a previous fight. Mm-hmm. So he had this big old bandage over his face, but he had to fight again you know, for the next round. And so I was watching him. So he, he gets up when they called his name. He gets up. He goes to his Navy team and he salutes. And he said, sir, I will bring back victory for Navy. And then he grabbed his bandage and he just ripped it off. Wow. And then he went in there to, to fight. And it just brought chills to my face. Like, you know, what a, what a sportsmanship. What a, what a spirit, you know, mm-hmm. for your team, you know. Wow. And, and I was, you know, telling this story to Philip. And then I think Philip went to compete in Korea either 70 Seven or seventy-eight. He went to compete in Korea, and uh, he felt all this uh, special kind of feeling with the competing with other people. He felt a little bit of, a, uh, I guess, racism or prejudicism because even though he was Korea Korean, but he since he came from the United States representing USA, there was like little like, oh, that guy's Korean, but it's representing USA and just, you know, a little bit of that kind of stuff. Yep. And um, back in those days, when whenever we went to go see martial art movies, it always like revenge, drugs, sex, yep. you know, gratuity violence. And that's not what true martial arts is all about. So when Philip and I sat down and we talked about our experience, Philip wanted to write something that was like, you know, true martial arts spirit. So Philip uh, came up with a uh, whole storyline and he knew a producer and he got together with him and that's how we were able to make the movie. Wow. That's, that's just so cool. And like I said, it's, it's one of my all time favorites. I mean, it's, it's for me from the, you know, the top martial arts movies, it's up there with best of the best karate kid, <laughs> you know, perfect weapon. Those are like probably my three top favorite movies that I, I watch at least once or twice a year. Each of them. Uh-huh. It's just, that's great. yeah, just such a great story. And, and I just, I, I every time it's on, I'll watch it. So it's, so what, <laughs> any, any cool stories from making it? You know, there was a cool story. It's like, I don't know if you remember the scene where I'm on, underneath the waterfall. Yes. That water was super super cold really yeah and i didn't want to go underneath it and you know plus that water is like a snow on the top of the mountain it's all snow mm-hmm. and then the so that water felt like like an ice picture stabbing me so i was like hesitating and i was like my i was like already kind of like weak from all the other stuff that we had to do and then my friend james lou said hey son we came here to do this job let's do it 
you know, let's let's do this. And he kind of like fired me up. So I said, okay, let's do it. And I went underneath the waterfall and I did it. And then I came out of that waterfall and I was just totally, it broke my spirit. I couldn't, I was so cold. I just couldn't help myself. I would just start crying, you know? And then my brother came over and gave me a nice hug. And, you know, he goes, Simon, I love you, my brother. Thank you for doing this. And it just, it just warmed my heart. I forgot about the, that coldness, you know? That's cool. So, yeah, it was really cool. Nice. And I know that, you know, Christopher Penn, it was, did you become pretty good friends with him through making the, the couple movies? Yes, Christopher Penn. He's such a good person. He's such, such a, a good actor. fun person. Great. He ad-libbed a lot of this stuff on the screen. Mm-hmm. Drop him like a toilet seat, Tommy. <laughs> that was <laughs> on that. the script. That he was ad-lib? That. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so yeah. how many of the like the people who played the the team the u.s team how many of them actually were martial artists i know chris pan had a martial arts background only chris oh only, only chris only chris oh, we, I... philip trained eric roberts and we have one double that double for eric who was pretty similar looking so we were able to get over with some of the stuff but eric trained hard he's a He's a really, really good actor because, like, when he trains, he's, he could be bleeding and he won't stop. He'll continue to, you know, get his scenes correct. So I give Eric a lot of credit for pulling that off. Wow, that's impressive. I did not. For some, I don't know why I thought. I thought he did. He, now, did he continue training in martial arts after? Maybe. Oh, uh, he did with me up to Best of the Best Two. Okay. Okay, and then cool. I don't know. We we lost contact after that. I remember me and my buddy went to uh, Best of the Best Two opening night in the movie theater, and I don't remember what the, the one kick you did. It's like a in the air sidekick right into a turning sidekick, all in one jump. And we saw that and we're like, oh my god! And after the movie, we went over to our Taekwondo school because we had keys, and we spent <laughs> we spent three hours practicing that on the heavy bag until we could both do it. <laughs> we we thought it was like the coolest kick in the world. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And I think my friend actually did it in a tournament, so and actually scored with it. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's such a cool kick. So such a good movie. And and just looking through your list on IMDb, I like. I just noticed you were on the Rookie. You did some stunts on the Rookie, which is one of my favorite shows right now. And and I mean, obviously, you're you're still working. That's why we we had to push this interview off because you were in the middle of. Can you t- talk about the project you were just working on? Yeah, uh, it's called. American Horror Stories. Oh, okay. So there's an American Horror Story, mm-hmm. and this is a spin-off, American Horror Stories. Okay. And uh, this is my, my second season, and uh, totally, totally different from all the things that I'm used to doing. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I don't use any martial arts in this TV series. It's wow. all about horror and, you know, killing, and mm-hmm. most of the killing is done with knives. Okay. So, in the beginning, I wasn't happy because uh, the director would, would ask me, hey, Simon, will you go shoot a previous for this scene where this one girl is killing four other girls? So I said, okay. So to be able to come up with the choreography, I had to become that killer so I could kill four different girls in a very different violent way with a knife. So after I shot the previous, I told my wife, I was like, this is dark. This is like really dark. I have to like, my mind has to go go to a killer and, and find a different ways to kill all these people. I don't think I want to do this. Wow. And my wife goes, honey, you gave them your word. You do it. You're going to do it. So honor it. 
I said, no, I don't know, honey. I'm not sure if I want to do this. <laughs> and she goes, honey, how many times did you kill people using martial arts in a movie? <laughs> there you I go. said, okay, okay, you got me there. All right. <laughs> so That's I started, cool. you know, it's all make believe. So I started doing it. Yep. And uh, it's been it's been a very fun, different challenge for my brain. Okay. You know, instead of always thinking about martial art techniques, now it's everything's different. So it's 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 good for me. So you know, instead of just doing the same thing over and over with martial arts, now I gotta use my brains in a different ways. Okay. So do you have any any other martial arts projects in the work? Anything coming up? Uh, you know that uh show called The Warrior. Oh yeah, the the. the based on Bruce Lee's notes. Yep. Right. So the uh, stunt coordinator, his name is Brett Chan. He's a very good friend of mine. And they're getting ready to shoot the third season in South Africa. And uh, he wants me to come and play a part. So if uh, they like my acting, maybe I get to go to South Africa and play a little part in that show. That'd be cool. That's a, such a good show. That one, I, you know, I, I, I remember when they were talking about it and then when it came out, I'm like, man, this is a really good show. No, that'd be, that's, that's, I mean, just what a career. I mean, you sound like you, you just still, still loving what you're doing and, and obviously working very, very hard and staying super busy and multiple projects coming out. And it's just, just so impressive. So impressive that you've been doing it this long and, and still enjoy it. Now, do you still get, do you still get to train? Do you still have time to, to train in martial arts as often as you like to, or are you too busy, too busy to do it as often as you want to? I just started back today, matter of fact. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just working on TV shows six months straight. Wow. Just, you know, and eating craft service food and, mm-hmm. you know, you get tired sometimes, you know, you just got to have some coffee and donuts and, you know, I noticed my stomach started to stick out and I was like, okay, now the, now the, since we are wrapped, I'm going to start training and try to get back in shape. Now, do you have, do you have kids? Two boys, okay. 30 they... and 27. Okay. Are they martial artists? They're both second degree black belt. Okay. And my wife is also second degree black belt. Okay, cool. That's always good. Now, how old were your, now were your boys as young as you when they started or how, what age did they start at? At four. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> A little bit younger. (laughs) Yep, a little bit younger. And they did, uh, once they got up to second degree black belt, you know, they uh, wanted to do other things. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And my younger one's really good with skateboarding, gymnastics, and he's he works as a data analyst. Oh, cool. Okay. And he also does stunts in the uh, industry once in a while. And my older one graduated. Uh, UCSD with nano engineering. Wow. And he's, uh, uh, he's getting married next month. Oh. So I'm really happy for him. Congrats. Yeah. And uh, he also, he works as a, a some solar company in San Francisco, I believe. Okay. But he lives in uh, Oceanside. And nice. he also does stunts here and there whenever he has time. Okay. But they, they enjoy doing stunts because it gets them out of their routine. Very cool. So what, what advice would you give someone who was looking at getting involved in martial arts for the very first time? They knew nothing about it and they just wanted some tips on maybe like what, what should they look for in a school? What should they look for in an instructor and maybe some things they should avoid? Well, I think the best thing to do is go look at the class and see how the instructor interacts with the students first. And uh, if the instructor and students have a very good relationship try a, uh, introductory lessons or trial lessons and make sure that you're happy with it. 
And then once you're really happy with it, stick to it till at least you get your you know first degree black belt. Mm-hmm. So you know you master that uh, style, and then if you want to venture out to something else, then you know I think that's the time to do it. Nice. So now, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? Is that are you a fan of that? Do you watch that ever? I do watch that, and I think my favorite fighter is uh, what's his name, uh, Machida. Oh yeah, Leota Machida. Yep. Yeah, because he's so you know he bows when he when he you know before he fights. Yep. Just I love his karate spirit. Very respectful. You know, he's, not, he's not cocky, and then. I saw him knocking out a guy and he went, he went right there and got down on his knees and, you know, he attended to him and, you know, I love that in martial arts. So I wish, I wish a little bit more of that was in UFC instead of all the cockiness and just being so brutal and being a savage. That's the part I don't like. Yeah, I agree. I, I used to watch it all the time and I, just, I don't watch it as much as I used to because of that. It's to me, it's kind of, you know, with the attitudes of some of the fighters, it's kind of becoming like the WWE a little bit. I, yeah. I kind of miss some of the older days of it, but. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, Conor McGregor, you know how he, once he wins a fight, you know how he walks like, like a strutting and things like <laughs> yeah. that. And then I see little kids doing that. Oh, wow. And I took on the tournament and I was like, it's like, just disappoints me when I see things like that. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. And that's, you know, the, those are the, the people that the kids learn it from. So, yeah. unfortunately. So what are your thoughts on, on Olympic Taekwondo? I know that's, that's been, an, uh, you know, in the Olympics, it's been a very controversial subject over the years. And it's controversial over the scoring system. And I know, like me personally, I don't like that they, that they almost never punch. I, I wish they'd start punching more. But I'm just curious, your thoughts on, on Olympic Taekwondo. So, I mean, back in, like, when I competed in Taekwondo tournaments, I wore those uh, hogu, you know, the chest protectors with mm-hmm. the bamboo inside. Oh wow! Yep. So, yeah. So that's how far back you know I go back when we didn't have we didn't have a shin guard or instep guard or anything like that. Yep. And if you got hurt, you got hurt. So now the and then like in the eighties and nineties, I mean, you had to kick hard to score a point, and it, it was I felt like it was really really a beautiful art because it's it's really hard to kick someone in the face mm-hmm. and it was i was really loving it and then like it started changing everything is done with the front leg now and you just like kind of touch him and you get a point and things like that yep. so i kind of lost my interest in that i don't follow it anymore yeah I, i'm kind of the same one of my previous guests he's actually a judge and an official for that. And, and he told me that they're trying to get it back to the way it was. He said, they're trying to bring punches back and they're trying to, trying to really change it to get more people you know, more interested in it. So I, I hope that's true. I hope so. And then there was that new uniform that they were trying to come up with. Did you see that? Yeah, that was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> that's really Tell ugly. me about it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, that's just really, really ugly. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, when I started Taekwondo, we had the traditional fold over style. And I think we, we couldn't get the V-neck style until we were like a blue belt, blue belt or purple mm-hmm. belt. When they finally yeah. finally let us have a V neck, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world, having a V neck. So, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, the, the things you get excited about when you're younger, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. nice. So, who are some people that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Who do I look up to? Yeah, Wh- whether it's people you've actually met and trained with, or you know, historic figures, you know, just 
that you just think belong on the very top of your list? Mm, I mean, I train with so many great instructors. I mean, of course, my instructor uh, in Los Angeles, Master Jun Chong, mm-hmm. he taught me. I feel like he's the one who really taught me how to teach. He he's had a nice curriculum for me to follow. Like you know, when you're teaching white belts, yes. teach them only this. When you teach like red belts, only teach this. And he had this everything written down, so I learned from that. And having a solid curriculum is really really important for longevity. Mm-hmm. So I owe that to Master Jun Chong. And as far as like other martial artists that I look up to is Guru Dan Inosantos. Ah oh, yes. I went and trained at his place a few few times, and he's just a, such a great instructor. And only reason why I can't go there as much as I want to because is because we're I'm, I live so far away from the school. Mm-hmm. Even the distance is only about thirty miles away. The LA traffic takes me about <laughs> two and a half hours for me to get over yeah, there. I was gonna say it's about a ninety-minute drive in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So so then I started taking um, lessons from his son-in-law, Ron Balicki. I don't know if you know him. Oh, okay, no. Uh, he's uh, married to Diana Inosantos. Okay. And he he taught me a lot of Filipino martial arts. So he's a, and a good friend of mine. He also does stunts, and you know I owe him a lot. And my Kempo instructor, Mr. Rick Alamani in San Francisco, I don't know if, whether he's still alive or not. My Wing Chun instructor, Chris Chan, like you know I don't know those people are alive or not, but <laughs> yeah, those are the people that had you know strong influence on me. Okay, good. So what is one philosophy you've learned in all your years in martial arts that is comes to the top of your list? It's just super important to you. You keep coming back to it. You make sure you, you know, you instill it in other people when you can. So this is what I say to all my uh, students. Do you, so you in Minnesota, yes. there's a DJ named Big Boy. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's so. a hip-hop artist dj okay so he used to be very very heavy person that's why he called himself big boy but now you know he's not big anymore because he had uh, stomach surgery okay anyway so one day he walked into my taekwondo school and he said so if i wanted to take lessons from you do i have to call you master you know i'm a black man so I might have a problem with calling you master. Okay. I said, yeah, that's great. I understand where you're coming from. I said, listen, I'm going to give you a 30-minute private lesson. And if you like the way I teach you, you pay me. And if you don't like the way I teach you, then don't pay me. And you don't have to come back. And you don't ever have to call me master. So he goes, okay. So he took a 30-minute private lesson from me. And then after that, he signed up all his family next day. Nice. And the thing that I told him is the reason why people call me master is not because I'm a black belt. It's because if I only teach you how to kick and punch, it's in human nature that you become aggressive. So to counterbalance that, I have to teach you how to be humble. That's why when you come to studio, we bow to flags, we bow to the studio. We bow to the instructors. We bow to the black belts. That's why you call me master. That's why you say yes, sir, no, sir. So it's like yin and yang. You learn how to fight and become strong. But at the same time, you learn how to be humble yourself 
so that you are a balanced person. So that's my philosophy of teaching martial arts. So once I explained it to my students, they understand and they have no problem, you know, calling me master and things like that. That's cool. I like that a lot. So which, uh, I was going to ask you this earlier, which forms do you use in your style of Taekwondo? WTF, I teach Tegok forms. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, we, we are, my school uses still does the Paul Gay forms, so we've been using those as long as I can. I know some of our schools that are around here switch to the Tegok, but my instructor has always stuck with the Paul Gay forms, so I was, just, I was just curious. You know what? I learned Paul Gay forms when I was in Korea. Oh, wow. Okay. So what I what I did is so since WTF wanted everyone to learn Tegok forms to get their black belt from uh, Kukiwan, mm-hmm. so I teach all my uh, students from from, you know, to become a first degree black belt, you learn all Tegu forms. And then to become a second degree black belt, I teach them all Paige forms. Oh, okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I just, I've always preferred, I've seen both. I've always preferred the Paul Gade. I just, to me, they're a little more traditional. They have the lower, wider stances. And so I've always, that's what I've always enjoyed about that myself. And myself, I'm not one, I don't enjoy the competition side of it. I don't mind teaching other people for competition, but I've never enjoyed, I've been in one martial arts tournament in my life. I was a orange belt in 1992 and I got my headgear kicked off. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I went through a backspin and took my headgear off and I, I didn't want to be there in the first place. My instructor actually forced me to, that's why I switched schools. He, he, oh. he forced all of his students to enter tournaments, whether they wanted to or not. And mm, that's not cool. Yeah. He was not a good, he, I, I tell everyone he was my John Kreese. He was my, <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> so. Did you know, did you know I trained him? Oh, you trained Martin Cove? Yeah. Really? Oh, that's cool. For the movie or? No, for the uh, Cobra Kai. Oh, really? Okay. I, that's I taught, awesome. Uh, William Zapka, okay. Martin Cove, and then uh, Zolo, and then Tanner. Okay. Jacob and Mary. That's awesome. Me and my, my daughter, who's uh, 15, almost 16. And she told me to tell you, she loves best of the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank all, you. all my kids love eighties movies. So we want, and, and me and her watch Cobra Kai together whenever it comes out. We're, we're huge fans. And yeah, we, yeah. And I hold this actors cause, uh, the uh, stunt coordinator of Cobra Kai, he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So before show started, he, he asked me to train those guys. So every time, you know, before show starts, like two weeks, they would train with me before show starts. That's cool. Uh, I got to be good friends with uh, everybody. And uh, yeah, Martin Cove even had me teach his daughter. Oh, wow. That's yeah, really cool. Teach, yes. Nice. So how do you, do you, do you enjoy the show? Have you watched it? I watched the first season. Mm-hmm. And then second season, I start losing interest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know why, just it doesn't uh, grip me, uh, grab me that much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I haven't watched the uh, third season or fourth season yet. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to September when the new season comes out. So I'm already, already planning to take time off work so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, got to, got to have fun. Got to enjoy it. So, all right, I got a a few fun questions to wrap it up. So do you have a, a favorite martial arts book? I don't know if I have a favorite martial arts book, but I enjoy reading Jackie Chan's books. Oh, okay. He has like a couple of bios that I read both of them. Okay. I really enjoyed his life story. Nice. I'll have to check that out. I don't think I've ever read his bio yet. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. So, that, yeah, and you got to work with him. You didn't you get to work on the, both Rush Hour movies, right? Yeah, and then I, I had an honor to double him on Rush Hour 3. Oh, okay. Wow. Because uh, he did have a stunt double, but he rolled his ankle when he jumped out of a van. 
Okay. So he, you know, he couldn't work anymore. So they asked me to double him rest of the movie. Wow. And I did, and I was so nervous because, you know, I, I look up to him. He's he's great. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "Is Jackie gonna be okay? Me doubling him?" And he was very, very gracious, and he was warm, and yeah, we got along really well. That's cool. Yeah, he's another just legend, legend in martial arts and legend in movies, and so fun to watch. And any anything you get to do with you know people like that, I mean, you obviously get to train some amazing people and and make friendships, and just so cool. All right, so these next two questions, you can't pick one that you've been involved in. Do you have a favorite martial arts TV show? Favorite martial arts TV show that I haven't been in. Hmm. That's a tough question for me because I, I normally watch Korean dramas with oh, my wife. Okay. I want to like stay away from martial arts and mm-hmm. dance and action heavy stuff. Okay. I like to come home and just relax and have dinner and watch like Korean drama with my wife. And that's time for me to just, you know, bond with my wife after my work. Okay. So yeah, I don't really have a favorite martial art TV show. Okay, that's fine. Which one is yours? Um it, it changes. Right now it's probably Cobra Kai. But I know when I was a kid, I, I loved the show Sidekicks with Ernie Reyes Jr. Uh-huh. You know, because that came. But out. Is, there, is there anything else besides Cobra Kai these days? The Warrior, obviously, Into the Badlands is another good one. It's not on anymore. Um, yeah. Highlander was a favorite when it was on. I, I nice. loved loved Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> you know, I worked on that a few yeah, times. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That's really cool. So yeah, I mean, it's it you know for current stuff, it's probably Cobra Kai. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know. All time, I mean, you know, Sidekicks is up there for sure. And I, I really loved, there was a show in the early 90s called Street Justice. I don't know if you remember that one. With no, a I don't. gentleman named Brian Genesee. It was a, mm-hmm. a black belt in Hungar Kung Fu. And then it also starred Carl Weathers from the Rocky movies. Oh, oh. Yeah. okay. It was, it was kind of, I think the reason I liked it, it was kind of like Sidekicks. So, because Sidekicks, if you remember, but he played a cop and he took in, yeah, yeah. yeah he right, t- right. took in the young kid and raised him. Well, yeah. what, what Carl Weathers was a cop and Brian Genesee was like this kid. He had like saved his life in like Vietnam and he came to, he tracked him down and came to live with him. It, so he was like, uh, you know, probably early, late teens, early 20s. So it was a little <laughs> o- older than sidekicks, but he, same type of thing. He helped him solve crimes and stuff like that. He was a martial artist and got in fights and stuff. So that's probably why I liked it so much. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's so many, there's so many out there. And, and I, I loved martial law. Uh, Samuel Hung, so talented. Uh, that, that show was very underrated and I, I wish it would have lasted longer. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. In your mind, why do you think martial law didn't work in the States? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it, if it was, maybe it was too soon. I mean, I, I hate to say this, maybe it was too soon to have an Asian person leading a show. I mean, I, I, I hate to think that, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked on martial law the first episode mm-hmm. and um, all the actions and fighting, it was great. I thought it was going to do really well, but I think the problem was the writers. Okay. You know, like sometime I get hired to do, I'll give you an example. I got hired to do a music video for Kendrick Lamar. Okay. He's a a rapper, I guess. And they told me, oh, yeah, you know, we want you to teach him how to do some like, you know, Japanese karate because, you know, we want him to do that in the music video. I said, okay, no problem. So, you know, I go to meet him and then the, wardrobe department brings all this kung fu uniform (laughs) 
like, oh my god, guys, wait a minute. You know, this is not a Japanese karate uniform. Oh, it's not? Oh, <laughs> but then can you just make him do kung fu now? Wow. <laughs> so we, we had to change everything to kung fu style. And another time I got hired to uh, be a technical advisor on some TV show. And uh, this guy's forced to be like a Japanese instructor. And instead of calling the instructor sensei, you know, they, they write a rope, sifu. I'm like, come on, guys. You know, does martial artists know the difference between sensei, sifu, or sabomnim and all that stuff? You yep. know? So I, I feel like martial law, the writers really didn't know how to you know write correctly. That was my thinking. That could be. I mean, I, I need to go back and rewatch it. I actually found it online and watched one or two episodes, but I need to go back and rewatch the whole series and see if it's as good as I remember it was. So, yeah. so. Oh, I, and I want to tell you this. Yes. I just finished working on a TV show called Brother's Son. Okay. It's a brand new TV show. Michelle Yeoh is going to be in it. Ooh, okay. And this new actor, Justin Chen. And from what I understand, it's all Asian cast, and even the writers are all Asians. And so far, they have all Asian directors. Mm -hmm. So I hope they do a good job on this one so that, you know, this show would last a little bit longer than March along. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it. That sounds sounds like it could be a good one. So yeah, nice. So, do you have a favorite martial arts movie? I think one of my top one is uh, Drunken Master Two with Jackie Chan. Nice movie. I just love that movie. Yes, very good. Yeah. See, mine is out. Mine, I think, well, mine will always be Karate Kid, just because that's the movie that got me involved in martial arts. Because uh -huh. so, I I grew up, I loved martial arts, but I never thought I could do it until I saw that movie. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Love, love Karate Kid too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's such, such a good one, but all right. Now this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but do you have okay. a, have a favorite movie fight scene? Ooh, probably Raid. Oh. Indonesian movie. Yeah. yeah I, I love the, the Silat, how they use Silat to fight. Mm -hmm. So violent. And oh, I have a funny story to tell you. Okay. I got hired to be a fight coordinator on Terminator Genesis. Okay. So then I go there. We're shooting this in uh, New Orleans. And then the director goes, Oh, yeah, we like, we like Hitman movies. And then one producer goes, Oh, we like Raid. <laughs> and then another producer goes, Oh, we like uh, Matrix. In my mind, I'm going, A Terminator don't fight like that, you know? <laughs> So the first previews I put together for the fight scene, I try to please everybody. So I put a little bit of Wing Chun, a little bit of C-Lob, you know, a little bit of uh, Filipino martial arts, and I showed it to the producers and directors, and they all go, but Terminator don't fight like this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we had to go back and change everything. That's awesome. <laughs> So you said you enjoy like you know Asian dramas and stuff. I don't know if it's really classifies as a drama, but do you enjoy the movie or do you remember the movie Fighter in the Wind? Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a early two thousands, I think. Yeah, I remember I enjoyed it, but I don't remember it now. I had the DVD and I lent it to a friend of mine and never got it back. So I need to find another because <laughs> if I'm it was the true story of Masoyama. Uh -huh. Yeah, I need I need to go back and watch that. I probably haven't seen it since like 2004, 2005. So I need to find it again and rewatch it. I, I know I enjoyed it really well back then. So. <laughs> so the urban legend is that he punched a bull and killed it. Is yep. that in the movie? I don't think that one, no, because this one's a little more serious uh, okay. about it. So, but I, I know I, the the Sonny Chiba movie, Karate Bullfighter, 
(laughs) That kind of covers that. That kind of tells the same story, just in more, a little more comedy in that one. But okay, yeah, I I don't, I don't remember. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it in many years, but I don't think they talk about the bull one in there. But I know it's, I know, like I said, I just know I really enjoyed it back then, and I'll watch any martial arts movie. I'll give any martial arts movie a chance, (laughs) and it's, 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 you know, I've been disappointed a few times. I know, you know, some times in the eighties, I actually watched the movie Jim Cotta. So, <laughs> which, which I, I still can't believe I watched it, but it was, uh-huh. it was horrible. <laughs> and then, uh, do you remember the movie Rooftops? That I don't remember. What so, is that? So it wasn't, I don't know if it's really classified as a martial arts movie, but it came out in, was it 88 or 89? It came out before the movie Only the Strong, and it actually uh-huh. featured capoeira, but they didn't, I don't think they called it capoeira, they called it combat dancing. And it was okay. a, it was about this whole like community of kids like in New York who partied like on the rooftops and uh-huh. they and they instead of fighting they did combat dancing. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. was, so it wasn't no, it wasn't any good. It was okay. I mean, back then I probably enjoyed it a lot, but I actually rewatched it a few months ago. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, and it, it stars uh, Jason Gedrick from Iron Eagle, is in it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, but there actually is, you know, they do show some capoeira in there and they, they, they train him to be a better, you know, combat dancer and stuff, but it's, interesting. it's, it's definitely not, it's not as good as only the strong. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mark DeCascos is a very good friend of mine. He's oh. such a, he's such a gentleman. He's such a good person. Nice. Nice. Yeah. He's I've, I've, him. I've, I've never, I've never met him. I, I, I think I met his dad once at a tournament. I was a 1995 or 96. I went out to Ed Parker's tournament in Long Beach and uh-huh. I, I met so many people out there. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't remember everyone, but, but I know I met like, um, you know, Benny the jet and, and people like that. And is it James, James Hong and just a lot of different actors and, and martial artists. And I met, uh, Judah Jean LaBelle and <laughs> yeah, it's, but I, I think I could have sworn I met Alda Costco's one time. So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to, you know, like I said, didn't get to train with him or anything. I probably just said hi and maybe got an autograph or something. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I said, I got my my dream list of guests that I'm, I'm still trying to get on the show. And the, you know, the whole thing with the show is I'm just trying to get as much variety as possible. People with different backgrounds and different stories. And it's a, it's yeah. a, a mixture of like, you know, local instructors that people have maybe never heard of. And then, you know, more celebrities that people have heard of. And I try to mix them together. I've interviewed my original instructors, you know, from 1984 and 1990 and my, my Taekwondo instructor. And I've, interviewed some people that have fought in the UFC and some other stunt people and, and, and movie people. And so it's, I think it's going well. People, the people who listen seem to enjoy it. And <laughs> I think you might, if you, you've been doing stunts a long time, you might know Rick Avery. He was one of my first guests. Oh, yeah. Of course yeah. I love Rick Avery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That man, he, he, he had some great stories too. So he was really fun. And one, one of my other guests actually trained with you, Mary, Mary Karch. She's a stunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she, she's actually the one who told me I should reach out and try to get you on the show. <laughs> so, so <laughs> she, fun. yeah, she was on last almost a year ago. She was on uh, August of 2021 when she was on my show. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anything else you want to mention before before I let you go? I've taken up definitely enough of your time. But anything you want to mention? Anything you want to get out there before I let you go? Well, my show American Horror Stories will start airing July 21st. Okay. So 
Uh, I know this will air after July 21st, but yeah, yeah. Hope people can still check it out. Yeah, I'll put I'll put a link to that. I'll put a link to your website, to your IMDb, and everything like that. And and like I said, it'll be about about three weeks when the episode comes out. And but I, I seriously, I, I so much appreciate your time. I, I've, I've loved talking to you, and like I said, I've been been a big fan for a long time. And I'm I'm glad you made time for me in your, in your schedule to do this. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.